0: Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this show on Friday, December 10th, 2021. So, Drew, uh, another crazy week out in LA? Another crazy week. Jim, you know me. I... am crazed
1: and this is a totally crazy time of year mm-hmm. as uh, awards uh, are getting underway and um you know i just filed my critics choice ballot i'm i'm writing articles for the rap magazine mm-hmm. that'll be coming out the next issue um so yeah i'm just running around jim so it's nice to just ch- hang out and get to chat with you for a little bit
0: well we, we can't hang out all that long nancy and i actually have to head out shortly we are going down to new jersey So, Nancy can attend No Lie Christmas Con. Have you heard of this? This is a... Not until you walked into my life, Jim.
1: So, please tell the people.
0: Okay. It is a three-day-long celebration of all things Hallmark holiday film related. That's being uh, held in the the New Jersey Convention Center in Edison, New Jersey. While Nancy's doing that, I'm going to be across the river in Manhattan. I'm headed to the Met to catch the inspiring Walt Disney, the Animation of French Decorative Art Exhibit, which opened just today at the Fifth Avenue facility. This is the Met's first ever exhibition exploring the work of Walt Disney, and it's a celebration of hand-drawn animation. They pulled 60 individual works of 18th century European decorative art and design, uh, tapestries, furnitures, clocks, uh, porcelain, and they juxtapose them with 150 production pieces that have been culled out of the Disney Animation Research Library the the Disney Archives even Imagineering has kicked in a couple of pieces along with the Disney Family Museum and by the way Drew we are supposed to be interviewing the the gentleman Wolf Bruchard who curated the exhibit on an upcoming fine tuning and As promised, I will get you a copy of the catalog. So
1: Yes, it'll be like I'm there. I've got to go out to the Bauer Museum. Did you see there's a new Disney exhibit out there about Disney's crown jewels? No. That's all about the ornamentation of your favorite Disney princesses and live action and animation. And even includes the heart of the ocean from Titanic. Because if we (laughs) will recall, that is a Fox co-production. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'll have to make it out there soon to
0: check that out. It's intriguing because they had that Imagineering exhibit. I know. I missed it. I think it's in Atlanta it's, or something right now. Well, right? I think it's across the street from Elvis's place. That's in,
1: right. That's right.
0: Yeah. okay, In the event center for Graceland. And that was, I was trying to convince Nancy, you know, we should drive down to the Disney live event. And, and, you know, just slide on over and check out the Imagineering thing. But when I was chatting with the folks at the archive, they weren't willing to to discuss where that exhibit was going after the Graceland Exhibition Center but it is going to continue to travel so i wonder if that's the, the case with the crown jewels think of the, the bower but i'm wow. sure yeah it looks really slick but just opened this week so i'll try to
1: try to get over there soon well, cool cool
0: cool okay so we should get to the news and as always the news portion of this week's fine tuning is brought to you by storybook destinations trusted travel partner of the Jimmy media podcast network for a worry-free travel experience please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Drew, let's start with uh, some television-related news. The season two of Centaur World started on Netflix earlier this week, Tuesday, December 7th. They dropped eight episodes rather than 10. The first season of Centaur World, which debuted on Netflix back in July of this year, had 10 episodes. And when this show, which is created by Megan Nicole Dong, was initially greenlit and announced back in July of 2019. It was with the understanding that it would be two seasons of of 10 episodes each. And, you know, with the pandemic, we've seen this happen. Didn't what if the the, the Marvel series was supposed to deliver 10, but because of issues related to the pandemic, they can only deliver nine for season one of that show, right?
1: Yeah, I think that extra episode is going into the second season, but Mm -hmm. I... I don't know if that's 100% confirmed, but obviously we know a second season is coming. Yep. And we've also talked about how they order these batches of episodes too. When they announce there's a second season mm-hmm. it's usually already been produced and is sitting somewhere.
0: I mean, that's it. Exactly. The, the, here are the pile of episodes and you decide what season one, one season two. And what's interesting is fans of centaur world are, are actually hoping that these two not delivered episodes will be rolled into a season three of the show, which just to be clear, Hasn't been greenlit, not even hinted at. What's important to understand here is that Netflix, when it cancels something, is pretty quick to do it. I mean, just this past week with the Cowboy Bebop thing, again, the live actors version of the anime, that sort of took everyone by surprise. I mean, that show had barely been on a month at this point, right?
1: Yeah, it didn't, hadn't even been at 28 days, which is usually at least the Netflix cursory
0: Mm. period
1: but you know the problem with the animated shows is there's only so many animators around and like you know city of ghosts was amazing and mm-hmm. hasn't didn't get picked up and mm-hmm. she is already on to something else so mm-hmm. you know i would not be surprised if nicole also has uh, megan nicole has something uh, else going on and cannot come back even if they wanted more centaur mm-hmm. world so it's tenuous over there
0: that is but on the other hand you know, when they're in your corner, they're in your corner. You, you were just talking as we were pre gaming that uh, somewhat surprised there was, there's a yet another Ardman thing coming, right? Yeah, it's on. I think right now it's a
1: new Shaun the Sheep uh, holiday special called Shaun the Sheep: The Flight Before Christmas, and uh, I think I speak for Jim when I say that we love Shaun the Sheep. We do. We do. Love, um, we do. And Back to the Outback is out today. So we got to finish. We oh, only God. saw 20 minutes of it or whatever. That's so we right. got to see. They hadn't even gotten to the
0: Outback. Okay, now I know what my Friday night looks like. <laughs> As we're talking about Netflix, also worth noting that season four of Camp Cretaceous showed up on this streaming service just a week ago, Friday, December 3rd, no 11 episodes. And you were commenting that the trailer for DreamWorks Dragons, the Nine Realms, just dropped. And it had some thoughts about the look of that, right? Well, yeah, I mean I thought it looked very similar to Camp Cretaceous. It's
1: sort of it's modern day, it's kids mm-hmm. discovering the dragons sort of underneath the earth or something. Mm-hmm. And it just looked very similar mm-hmm. to Camp Cretaceous, just in the way that it is being sort of framed and animated and um yeah, did you not get the same uh, the same vibe? No, no, there, no,
0: no, no. I did. you know that's a thing. You know, I got your note. I followed the link, and it's like, wow, <laughs> Drew got it and won. But at the same time, the dragon that we get to look at—I think they did the DreamWorks Dragon Holiday Special a few years ago—and it, yes, this lead dragon looks all, an awful lot like Toothless' offspring. So, yeah,
1: what was the what was the other one called? To
0: the when... Oh, you would ask that.
1: <laughs> you see them at the end of How to Train Your Dragon 3. So you, you don't even have to have watched the Christmas special. To, no, no, not at uh, all. But... Yeah, I, I I agree. I think it will probably be one of those okay. dragons. But I mean, it's a, it's a cool idea. I mean, I, I always wondered if they were ever going to bring it into the kind of modern day. And mm-hmm. they certainly have.
0: Sure, you've seen the most recent updated piece of concept art for Epic Universe, and literally right after you enter the park on the right side is the How to Train Your Dragon themed area for the theme park, and they're leaning heavily into the whole toothless era of that franchise. So, uh, And it's got well, a theater show and a ride and meet and greets and the whole schmear.
1: Oh, wow. Well, you know, you we talked about how Epic Universe at one point had a sing themed hotel and it should not surprise you, Jim, that sing Two takes place almost entirely in a hotel. So I would, I would say watch that with an eye towards Epic universe. Um,
0: Hmm. Okay. I, I will, you know, in fact, just today got an, an invite. I guess that they're, they're starting to do the press screenings next week. I know they, they had done, the earlier audience come to this screening so you know we can get conversations going about sing too
1: yeah they've been screening it <laughs> i mean every day is probably an exaggeration but it's not much of an exaggeration out here because they're really they're going for that animated feature nomination and also u2 has a new song on the soundtrack which they true. are very very excited about so If you want to read my uh, interview with Garth Jennings, who directed it, and I also have a a piece in the uh, late January uh, issue of The Rap Magazine that's all about how they created Bono's big musical number in the movie. So keep an eye out for that, Jennings. I will. I'll send you links whenever they go up. Cool,
0: cool. All right. Speaking of things headed into theaters, we had our trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog 2 dropped early this week during the Games Awards. What was your take on on this one? I mean, face it, we we get tails, we get knuckles, and we also get Jim Carrey going full bore as as the villain from the game. I mean, just
1: the most nineties Jim Carrey has been in quite a while. I feel like.
0: No, um, oh, absolutely, yeah. That we're back in the mass country. Yes, we
1: really are. So yeah, it looked fine. I mean, I don't know. Those, those movies are not for us, Jim. They are for very young people who need to be entertained for an hour and a half. And I hope, I hope this does the job, but I mean, the animation looks beautiful. I think I sent you a note about who I think D and MPC are the two uh, most responsible for the animation. And I think that it looks great. looks really, really nice. It just, it it seems like it's coming out like eight months after the original, which is very weird, but
0: some of that had to do with the, the first trailer of that movie. And this one, Seemed to have overall gotten a positive response, whereas that trailer did not. And that's another story for another time.
1: They had all the assets ready this time, Jim. No no more redesigning. (laughs) Well,
0: there we go. That's coming out April 8th of 2022. We also just this week got word about Disney's new animated feature for 2022 for the Thanksgiving weekend. Strange world. And you know, we got a piece of concept art and we got kind of a description of the film. Uh, The strange world centers on the legendary clades of a family of explorers whose differences threaten to topple their latest and most crucial mission on Instagram. Disney animation teased that strange world journeys into a deep, into an uncharted and treacherous land where fantastical creatures await.
1: Does this sound familiar to you at all? Jim? It's like
0: a movie from, I would say, roughly 20 years ago. All right. Directed by Don Hall, who did Big Hero Six and Ray and the Last Dragon. And
1: Winnie the Pooh, our
0: favorite traditional animated movie. Yeah. He says this movie is a a nod to pulp magazines, popular fiction from the first half of the 20th century. Yes, what you said does concern me. I I look at this, and in fact, you have done so much writing about (laughs) Treasure Planet and Atlantis. The pitch of, you know, we do all these movies where if we're at Disneyland, we go straight through Sleeping Beauty Castle. It wouldn't be interesting to to finally do a movie where you make a left and go into Adventureland. And what especially concerns me about sort of a science fiction adventure is in June of next year, aren't we getting a science fiction adventure from Pixar, the Lightyear movie? I thought the same thing,
1: Jim. Uh. I really did. They're literally the same audience. Yeah. They are seemingly the same tone because Lightyear is kind of a throwback '60s space movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last time they bet on back-to-back sci-fi animated movies did not go particularly well for Disney. Mm-hmm. But hey, we got the girls from uh, Turning Red coming soon, Jim, and I think we're both very
0: excited about that we, one. we are. We are. From a promotional point of view, yeah, there's there's only five and a half months. That separate. I mean, again, Lightyear comes out on June seventeenth of next year. Strange World comes out on November twenty third. When you put French vanilla next to vanilla, hey, you love these flavors. It's like, well, yeah, but I also love other flavors. I mean, couldn't you push
1: this off by a year? And Lightyear, you know, will be on Disney Plus by the time.
0: Oh God, yeah.
1: Strange World comes out too. So,
0: speaking of things that are interesting, we also. Got news of a brand new live-action animation adult comedy, Strays. This is basically a follow-up from Josh Greenbaum, the, the gentleman who brought us Barb and Stargo to visit Del Mar, which a surprising number of Nancy and my friends have seen and really, really liked.
1: It's amazing. Have you watched it yet? It's great.
0: I have not. Oh, it's, it's great. Okay, well... I'll,
1: I'll, I'll and, and Josh also directed a really terrific documentary that you can watch on Hulu mm-hmm. about the Dana Carvey show. The oh, much no. beloved. Yeah, oh, if no. you've never seen that, Jim, that is wonderful, too. Cause I, this might come as a shock, but that was incredibly seminal to me as a child and my, and the formation of my sense of humor watching the uh, barely aired Dana Carvey show.
0: <laughs> Isn't uh, that the one that had the Frightwig sketch? The Frightwig family, where it, their reaction to everything would, and their hair would go straight up? Yeah, I think, I believe
1: so. They they spent a lot of time talking about the racists of Maine. Do you remember uh, them <laughs> who would oh, sit on their porch and okay. say racist things? Okay. I mean, it, it's, it's a really great documentary. If you, if you need a good giggle, Jim, okay, which I think um, you might check uh, out uh, that documentary.
0: Especially this week. I, I feel like I need a good giggle because of the news coming out of Disneyland. One of my favorite characters from the 1980s is, do we call this a wardrobe malfunction? We'll talk about it later. But the thing about Strays that I'm
1: worried about, and I told you this earlier, is that I wonder if it's going to eat into that potential of Gennady's, uh, uh What was it called? Fixed for Sony oh, Pictures Animation. That was right. that was announced. Yeah, it sounds a little bit similar. It sounds like they've they filmed all the live action stuff for Mm-mm. Strays already, Mm-mm. and now they're doing animation, and it's being produced by Lord and Miller, who we love, and who's of course you know. Yeah, done amazing things, but yeah, I I really I wonder, Jim.
0: Again, I want this to work. Speaking of things that I want to work, one one wild. Since this thing got announced, uh, the the Keegan Michael Key and the Jordan Peele project really been up for this, and you stumble across this. Well, it's not really a trailer. It's more no. of a, it's a dedicated website.
1: Yeah, it, I don't know what the marketing strategy is for this. We've seen. We've seen a previous clip with Wendell and Wilde, mm-hmm. and now we have one that's showing us, I think her name is Kat, who's like mm-hmm. a demon-hunting mm-hmm. teenage girl. Yep. And we just see a few seconds of her, but the design is so striking. The animation is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I cannot wait to see. I mean, the fact that we're getting a Henry Selleck stop-motion oh. movie and a Guillermo del Toro stop-motion movie in the same year, that's that's pretty exciting.
0: I agree. Folks, you have to go check this out. It's Cats Boombox and cats with a K. And that's all one word, dot com. And it, seriously, if you go there, there's a boombox sitting at the top of a staircase that, that is playing music. And and the, it's always new new music, too. But again, this Henry Seller film will be coming out on Netflix next year, 2022. And, and speaking of next year, Mickey's Toontown will be closing... In March of of 2022 for a refresh of reimagining and one element of that debuted this week. And that's not going to please Roger Arbor fans, but we'll talk about that more in a moment. Do we mention at the top of the show that you've seen the new Matrix, but you can't talk about it, right? Correct.
1: Correct. I am. I am forbidden from talking okay. about
0: it, but I will talk about it
1: next week. I'm sure. Um, okay. I've seen everything, Jim, except for Spider-Man, which I'm seeing on Monday. So,
0: okay. Yeah. Cool. And what did you think, by the way, of, of the Ghostbusters afterlife? I mean, Alice absolutely loved it.
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. It's mm-hmm. so fun. It's got so much heart. The mm-hmm. effects are wonderful, and you could probably watch it. At home, Jim. Whenever it comes out,
0: but I—if you—if you can get to a theater, it's—it's it's well worth it. I think. Okay. Now, now speaking of the effects, and and not to spoil, kind of a key element of this. Right. Film. I think
1: that people, if they haven't been spoiled, they probably know this is coming. But okay. anyway, go so
0: ahead. So Harold Ramis's character—you got—I mean—and we, we lost Harold like three years ago, four years ago. I think it was uh-huh. like yeah, twenty. Yeah. 17 13, something, yeah, 16, something, like that. something like that? yeah and what's terrific about this film is that the original ghostbusters come back at a key moment and egon gets to join his friends and and yeah. which over the past couple of years this has been the sort of thing that has been done in films with varying degrees of success and and some people who would you, who
1: would you say is a more successful version than a, oh. than others we got Tarkin, Tarkin came back. Peter
0: Cushing, yeah, yeah. I, th- that was worthwhile. I mean, for me, I tracked them all the way back to, remember that Fred Astaire ad where the yep. family allowed them to reuse the footage of, of Fred dancing, but he was with a vacuum cleaner?
1: I thought you were going to bring up the Humphrey Bogart Tales from the Crypt episode uh, that was directed by Robert Zemeckis yeah, um, yeah. back in the day. Do you remember that one?
0: Uh, and and what was the Schwarzenegger, the infamous oh, last action hero where, you know, I mean, it's only for like a tenth of a second, but they do bring Bogart. There's that moment where the, the, the police chief is partnering up people, yes. you know, and you get the animated cat and you get Humphrey Bogart from the, the, the big sleep. So this is hard to do, but you just wrote a wonderful piece for the rap about. How they approach this, how they approach bringing Harold Ramis back. For yeah, uh, it, it's
1: really fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. And it took a lot of work to bring him back. But the guy that worked on it did Sean Young in Blade Runner twenty forty seven or twenty forty nine, oh, which okay. I think is also one of the better, mm-hmm. you know, recreations. So yeah, I, if you're interested, go check that out. It's really, really interesting. Everybody's perspective on it and mm-hmm. how they accomplished that
0: one question in this conversation how often do the term subsurface scattering come up
1: well you know what's interesting is they actually so the kind of ghostly effect was an afterthought they actually created a version of Harold from 1984 put him into footage from Ghostbusters Mm -hmm. and people could not tell the difference
0: wow so
1: all the glowing stuff and Mm -hmm. all of that was, was an afterthought they had to get Harold down completely mm-hmm. and yeah, it's a, it's pretty amazing what they, what they
0: did. So mm-hmm. check that out. I've been a Harold Ramos fan since she's, you know, the, 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 SCTV days back when he was Mo green up in Mellonville, you know, oh, oh, that was a great show. And well, all right, now I gotta go take a look at this. Okay. So anyway, uh, getting to that Disneyland news, Drew. Yes. Back in November, we we learned that there was an ambitious new reimagining of Mickey's Toontown going to debut in in 2023 and and, and supposedly tied to the launch of uh, the West Coast version of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. And here's from the the announcement on the Disney Parks blog. Building on the legacy of Mickey's Toontown, Imagineers are working to create some all-new experiences so families and young children can have more opportunities to play together inside of Disneyland Park. The beloved Mickey's Toontown will transform into a vibrant symphony of sights, sounds, and sensations. Focusing on today's families with young children, Mickey's Toontown will feature new play experiences, as well as open, grassy play spaces where everyone can unplug. The land will feature landscaping for both spontaneous family play and parental relaxation. So, and then, you know, Josh DiMero, the, the head of Disney Parks, stepped in, and in fact, he announced this. Last month at IAPA at the Attractions Expo, but he again he he goes on to say, the newly reimagined Mickey's Toontown will be a welcoming place for families and younger guests can connect and play together in fun new ways. So again, we've got young children and we've got younger, younger, guests. younger guests. And God, the Dreaming Tree! Did you did you hear about they're building a, a Dreaming Tree as part of this expansion of Mickey's Toontown? Which no, do you know about the Dreaming Tree in Marceline? No. You know, oh, my God. get you a know, Marceline, again, the birthplace of Walt. Or, excuse me, not the birthplace. The, 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 the family. Child, yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Again, so many people claim chunks of Walt's life. So, you know, this is where he, he grew up as a child. And the folks in Marceline, evidently the archive actually found this, that Walt at one time would talk about the, a tree he'd climb up in Marceline. And they dubbed, they found the tree. And they dubbed it the Dreaming Tree and they made it part of their tour. And then the Dreaming Tree, you know, I, I again, I try not to read too much into this, but the Dreaming Tree got struck by lightning. But they saved three saplings from it. So they replanted it in Marceline. There's a, a sapling that's been planted at Disneyland that actually has been moved to an undisclosed location. Out of concern that someone will, you know, some guest will try to steal it. And then I guess there's a third tree being held in reserve, but. This is
1: perverse. What, what are you talking? This is insane. I, I am sorry,
0: but, but the thing is there's a children's book, Walt's Dreaming Tree, and there's a whole sort of in cottage industry that's grown up around this one vague reference that Walt made in an interview that nobody's entirely sure that Walt wasn't maybe fudging the details. You know, as part of an, but anyway, you know, so that there's going to be a dreaming tree in Mickey's Toontown, which again closes in March of 2022. But the thing we're talking about today, folks, they announced it back in September of this year that Disney had made a decision out ahead of this reimagining of Mickey's Toontown that they were going to make some changes in Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin.
1: Well, also that Iapa map that they released. <laughs> had vibrant colors all around Toontown, and then like a vague gray blob in the right-hand corner that was clearly Roger Rabbit, but might not be Roger Rabbit for very much longer.
0: Yeah. Right? Uh, we were just talking about West Side Story, which was is directed by Steven Spielberg and is being released through 20th Century Studios at Disney. So you would think this would be a relatively happy time between. Disney and Ambling, right? In fact, weren't you just mentioning, was it this week that a brand new 4K deluxe version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit just came out?
1: Yes. Yeah. First time I think it's been released in 4K. So
0: This film comes out in June of of 1988, and it's a sensation. And it was kind of the one-two punch, that year of Roger Rabbit and Little Mermaid. That, you know, sort of launched the second golden age of Disney animation. and
1: Oh yeah, I talked to... I was on the phone with Peter Schneider a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks ago, and he said that the animators came to Disney in the late 80s because Mm -hmm. Roger Rabbit made animation cool for the first time in their entire life. So I don't think that the importance of Roger Rabbit Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of Disney animation cannot be overstated. I mean, it was just huge it was like a bomb that went off i mean
0: and speaking of bombs the bombshell in that movie was jessica i mean that scene at the ink and paint club where she's on stage and that's amy irving singing for jessica and the speaking voice by kathleen turner between the way the character interacted with Eddie and the other people in the club. And what about
1: that shimmer effect that ILM did? No, absolutely.
0: You know, but amazing to look at and, but, but a very Tex Avery female. I mean, is it clearly inspired by cartoons like Red Hot Riding Hood and that sort of thing? Because it's a huge success. It eventually makes its way into the park. And we, we get our Roger Rabbit cartoon spin ride in January of 94. In fact, Mickey's Toontown had opened the previous year, uh, January 24th, 1993. And the story I've always been told was that Roger Rabbit was ready. I mean, it yeah. was com- completed. and it, But the decision was made to the effect of mothball the attraction for a full year. So they, they would have something to for locals to come back and see in year two. And, you know, we got the Tokyo version of Roger Rabbit's uh, cartoon spent opened with That park's version of Mickey's Toontown in April of 96. And for years, this attraction has run. And, you know, and it's like, has anybody complained? (laughs) Because this is the thing the notion of now suddenly, at least according to the announcement in September of this year, that Jessica evidently decided she wanted to have a career. She's going to become a private detective and break up a crime ring. That's operating in Toontown. So wasn't the original inciting event of the whole ride, you know, Jessica had been thrown in the trunk of the car by the weasels and Roger had to go rescue her and they pulled her out of the trunk, you know, a month or so ago. And now they have her posing with the weasels, but she's now in Dick Tracy's outfit. Well, did you, did, did you not flash to another
1: instance? When Jessica was replaced by Dick Tracy. And I'm speaking, of course, Jim, of our favorite nighttime entertainment district, Pleasure Island.
0: Oh, yes. Jessica's. I think it was
1: called Jessica's Warehouse. And it it literally sold lingerie. It did. Like, yes, yes. yes, Right. And like, like how far have we moved from them being okay with a lingerie Hmm. store with a giant Jessica rabbit
0: on the roof? Like on the Las Vegas Strip, the cowpoke whose arm moved, Jessica's leg lifted up and down. And it, it, yes. yeah, you know, wonderful kinetic, beautiful to look at. But you were saying it's just kind of intriguing, the message that's being sent here. That, we'll talk about why Jessica is, is now quote-unquote powerful.
1: Well, I mean, she's empowered in the, because they're dressing her like a man, which I think is just really weird. Like, she can't she can't be sexy and empowered it's got to be one or the other mm-hmm. and i just think that's a super weird message to send and i think the execution of how they're rolling her out. i mean the first time they put they took her out of the ride mm-hmm. they had not announced anything people just went on it and she was gone and i don't know if you saw the really poor like newspaper that they put up in the queue that sort of explains that she's decided to fight crime it's like but that was what Roger and Eddie were doing that. I, I don't understand why she has to do it too. or is that the only thing that she could do in Toontown? or I guess it's maybe the only thing that fits with the story of Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. yeah, I don't I think it's pretty unreasonable and and totally unnecessary.
0: You tell me it's not like Disney hasn't done this before. I mean, think about it. Roger Rabbit comes out in June of eighty eight. In September of 89, we get that wonderful Pixar short knick where we have the snowman who's trapped in the Welcome from Nome snow globe who looks across the way and there's the beautiful bosomy mermaid from Welcome to Atlantis, I want to say. And and the whole short is about him trying to, oh no, wait a minute, she's, I'm blowing the gag because it's like there's the Welcome to Miami girl who's wearing the bikini and and you know, right. rather large chested. And, and that's the whole g- gimmick of the, the thing is that he's trying to get there, get out of his snow globe and get to the, the welcome to Miami. But what ends up happening is that in 2003, Disney makes a decision that they need a short to be paired with finding Nemo when it goes out into theaters. So Pixar decides Nick, Nick, Nick never got the theatrical release, the attention it deserved. Wasn't it made for a theme park or something? Wasn't it in 3D? I want to say, yes, it was done in 3D, but it was, it actually, it debuted at SIGGRAPH. And in fact, this was when SIGGRAPH used to be held in Boston. And I remember I was living in Boston at the time and it was just the roars that came up from all the horny nerds about, you know, how (laughs) genuinely funny this, this short was and, and (laughs) look, oops. But again, you know, now it's May of 2003 and they're looking to pair it with Nemo. And John Lasseter talks about how now they're all dads and a lot of them have daughters. And suddenly they're looking at the giant boob jokes and, you know, they kind of feel like boobs because they made this short. So both the Miami knickknack and the mermaid and the fishbowl were reanimated to have much smaller breasts. and, And in fact, the mermaid... They actually put a seashell brawner like like Ariel. And Lasseter defends the chains. It's like, it wasn't big bad Disney coming in and insisting we do this. This was our own choice. It was just, was crossing a line personally for as a father. So I, I decided to decrease these characters' breast size. So if you look back, uh, July of 1998, when Melody Time came out, people talked about how Disney had waded into the VHS release and had edited out all of Pecos Bill's use of tobacco and in fact it was also make my music right the other yes. uh, package feature from the 40s that had actually it was the i want to say it was the opening of the film the martins and the coys which big hillbilly battle number with all sorts of gunplay and that cut cut and weren't you just talking about you recently got the blu-ray in that
1: yes and and it is still gone even though it is it it says that it was supposed to be unreleased mm-hmm and early material suggested that all ten musical segments were there. Mm-hmm. It actually includes the two thousand censored version of the film, mm-hmm. which edits the opening titles and removes the Martins and McCoy sequence as well as includes all the edits of all the cats join in, which edited out sexualized imagery. That's so, literally
0: nineteen forties Bobby Soxer Dancing. That every so right. often you'd see a flash of panties or that sort of thing, but that that's where we are now. So yeah, Je- Jessica Rabbit has to wear a trench coat and we have to still have it edit out the Bobby Soxers from the 1940s that, because, <laughs> oh my God, it's
1: shocking. Yeah, I mean, my, Make My Music is now currently the only Disney animated feature still not available on Disney Plus hmm. as well i don't know what the hell i mean is this the next article i write clearly i mean what why they've chosen to to censure this is just insane
0: but at the, the same time josh damaro they, they seem pretty upfront about it i mean if you seriously you got through that press release and how many variations on young children young people young you can't possibly expose them to jessica rabbit as she is in the 1988 film which by the way you can buy right now on, on blu-ray in yeah, a wonderful. you really want to see jessica yeah <laughs> this is one of these moments where there's this myth about this the monolith disney that the, the master of synergy disney and you and i both know disney is 35 or, or 38 now individual little companies that sometimes share goals sometimes share agendas but mostly don't really talk to one another. Yeah. And especially because
1: Toontown was part of an effort to make Disney cool again for older kids. I mean, it was right around the corner from Videopolis mm-hmm. and now it is, uh, going to the kids. So we'll, we'll, can't wait to see what the BP oil spill guy, how he, <laughs> he spins this one.
0: Jim. <laughs> yeah. I. It, it's so funny you mentioned that because it's like, Eisner didn't hire Zena Muka till, till 2003. He had literally been on the job for almost 20 years before he felt he needed a crisis management person, you know, somebody who could really wait in. And and let's be honest here, it was the middle of Save Disney at the time and and it was a smart move. I go, on the other hand, saw what Zena had done for Michael and it's like, hey, you want to hang around, <laughs> you know, just in case. And, and just the fact that here, Chapek hasn't even taken over yet. And Xenia is walking out the door with Bob uh, come January. So who does he reach out to, to be his communications, uh, you know, chief of communications, you know, his crisis management guy, but, but as you said, the British petroleum guy, the guy who handled the deep horizon oil spill in the Gulf,
1: a real friendly face that'll put your (laughs) mind at ease about a cuddly family corporation. And also lead a lobbying group in Washington, <laughs> D.C. that Disney is establishing for such things as the copyright battle over Mickey Mouse that it will be approaching very soon. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, a lot of fun things going on over at Disney these days, Jim.
0: Anybody who has actually been on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway knows <laughs> how violent and how edgy and funny that is. And the notion is you're putting in that, right? but you got to make Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin toothless. Are you actually talking to one another? All right. Let's talk about more pleasant topics. In fact, I, it, what's been interesting for me is seeing other people around the web talk about how much they've been enjoying your ghost protocol anniversary shows over <laughs> on Light the Fuse. I mean, it's just, I feel weirdly parental. It's like, oh, hey, look, other people are enjoying this. So,
1: yeah, I mean... It's always a surprise, Jim. Let's put it that
0: way. No, no, it's great. It's great. Now now, is that continuing or, you know, we we got, Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. We've got, um,
0: we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up.
1: We just talked to the guy who plays the fog. Who's the kind of uh, shadowy, Hmm. uh, arms dealer who took over for Vanessa Redgrave. And yeah, we talked to Anthony Giacchino, who's Michael Giacchino's brother who did all the behind the scenes stuff. And so, yeah, our, our, celebration of ghost protocol will will dip into 2022 for sure
0: oh cool okay because they've they've been such an amazing series of shows and you get to hear so much great hollywood history in addition to getting a deeper appreciation of the mission impossible films the the john wick franchise and and likewise you're really looking forward to you know more stories about top gun and and of course the, the sequel maverick which we get next year but anyway, Drew, if folks are looking to keep closer tabs on you, and, and of course, you're always posting great, fun stuff on social media, <laughs> where can they find you?
1: Uh, Drew Tailored, like a tailored shirt on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Nancy would like me, uh, me to remind you all that you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Jim Media and over on Facebook at Jim Media News. And so thanks for listening now, folks. And Drew and I will be back with a brand new fine tuning next week. Till then, thanks for listening and have a good night.